0: We're a club that produces more national championships, college scholarship athletes, national team players and pros than any other. It's a club that helps make dreams come true, and we've been doing it for over 40 years. Hello and welcome to the Inside Surf Soccer Podcast with me, Louis Hunt and this week's incredible guest, former US women's national team player, World Cup winner, and three time Olympic gold medalist Shannon Box. Shannon's amazing and unique story is a roller coaster ride and must listen to all those aspiring young players out there. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Shannon, thank you so much for joining me. How are you right now?
1: I'm doing pretty good considering. Um, obviously, we're all stuck at home, but. Um, you know trying to look at the positives which is spending a lot more time with my family I got two little kids so trying to homeschool one of them and the other one's just a toddler so that's changed things a lot having both of them home all day but you know we're doing well we're still happy
0: good stuff Um, just touching on on that kind of stuff uh, since you retired what's your uh, what's your your role in your occupation obviously you do stuff with the U.S. youth national teams, but other other than that, what have you been doing since the boots got hung up?
1: Oh my gosh, and and to think about how long that feels ago, right? It's been four years, a little bit over that, but um, no, you know, I think being a part of soccer is still going to always be a part of my life, and so that, that became my first order of business, was just to kind of keep my my name in the <laughs> soccer world, and that was more on the coaching side, so uh, before I finished, before I retired, I made sure I got my coaching license, my B license. So that was a big plus for me to then e- be easily able to move into coaching. So I did that. I uh, helped start an academy up in help up here in Portland, Oregon, um, and um, kind of just doing a lot of individual coaching and stuff like that. And then obviously, I got the great opportunity to work with the youth national team.
0: Awesome. Um, let's try and rewind a little bit further than that. Um could you talk a little bit about your early developmental days as a player, how you got into soccer and some of your memories from playing club or school?
1: Yeah. Um my gosh, my my youth career with soccer was so fun. Um I actually played multiple sports growing up. Um soccer was always my number 1, but I definitely played baseball, turned into softball, played flag football, played hockey, played basketball, played so many different sports, because I wanted to make sure that that was the sport that I loved, um, and didn't really pick soccer until I was in high school as my only sport. Um, So my early development, I played on a club team that no longer exists in Torrance, California. Um, Everything's blown up, but I played for the same club team since I was 10 years old. And before I would play for club, I played for an all boys team uh, growing up. So... That was a lot of fun. I thought playing for the boys team really made me into kind of the type of player I am. Um, I'm not afraid to get dirty. I was never afraid to go into tackles. I was never afraid to kind of be that tough, strong player. And I think it came because I had to play with boys and I I was the only girl, and I had to show that I could stay with them and actually be better than them. Um, And then, you know, when I moved in my club team, Gosh, the memories that I have, the places we play, the tournaments we played in, um, and we were a really good club side, like we went to national championships all the time, won state cups um, but my development I mean my coach was a was a dad, but he really focused a lot on our technical ability, working with both feet, so I grew up not being afraid to use my left foot or my right foot. Um, I mean, I remember training sessions where it was hit the crossbar. And we would do that for, you know, the whole session, but it was with your left foot. And I thought that's great. Cause I see it now is when I'm coaching now is people try to avoid that because it's something that their kids are not very good at. So one thing that I always think was so important to me is that I worked on the things that I wasn't very good at for a long time until I, was, I mastered those. And um, that became kind of my whole career. Um, so yeah, I think the early, but man memories, I think my memories have to do a lot with off the field and being a teammate and the friendships that I formed. And I think that's, what's so cool about your girls now and playing club. Um, that, you know, I remember making my gosh, dance videos in the parking lot of McDonald's between games at tournaments or, you know, just never taking your shin guards or cleats off and wearing them all day. Cause you just had to go right back and put them back on anyways. And I don't know I think you know I still talk to so many of my teammates from years and years ago because of that club team so I had a really fun experience and I think that's what kind of propelled me to want to continue playing soccer
0: how important is that how important is the the social element and and the fun aspect to it as well because we talk a lot about you got to compete you got to develop you got to get better but that connection how important was that for you
1: I mean, I think it made then competing and it made getting better. It made all of that so much more worth it because I wanted to be with my teammates and I wanted to be good for my teammates. I think that um, I've always talked about being, I've always been a really good teammate. That's one thing I think I walked away from the national team feeling is that every single person on that team would say that I was a really good teammate that I fought for them on the field. I fought for them off the field. Um, I got along with every single player, even if I, wasn't their best friend, like we respected each other. Um, I held them accountable and they held me accountable. And I think that all stemmed from the way I grew up on my club team. And I think, you know, it's really important to know that like, you know, as a national team player, you're, you're training on your own. There's no one looking over your shoulder saying, are you doing this, are you not doing this? And it became really important for me to, when those tired days I'd be out there training, I would actually think about what are my teammates doing for me right now? Even though we're not together, what are they doing for me to make our entire team better? And am I going to slack or am I going to work just as hard as they are? And I think that always propelled me. But um, the social piece has to be there. I wouldn't have played as long as I played if I wasn't enjoying it and having fun. And a lot of the reason I had so much fun was the people that I was around.
0: You you mentioned there about obviously the level that you played at, you had to train on your own to get better. And we see that a lot with some of the current women that, that are on the national team now. Um, obviously, every soccer player in the world is having to play and train on their own right now. So yeah. what were the benefits for, for you doing that or advice that you can give the, the players right. Right. that are having to go through that work at home, work in the backyard, work in the right. garage?
1: I mean, just to stay on top. I think, you know, like, again, I think, you know, the national team's always... Um, it's always developing. There's always new players ready to take your position, and I don't think that's any different at the youth level. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that you can tell yourself is, can I come out of this situation, right, COVID-19, and can I still come out and say, my first training session, I'm fit. I'm, you know, I'm technically sound because I continue to work on those things. Or am I going to come in and look like I sat on the couch all day? And for me, my mentality was I didn't want to look like that to my coaches or to my teammates. So I think there has to be an internal motivation um, to want to get better and to realize that you're never going to master something. I think that's the best thing is I, even at the end of my career, was still working to be a better soccer player. So it's never done and you're never going to be finished with it. So I think if you have that mentality to want to always improve and get better, you'll be just fine so I think now it is hard it's very easy to want to just sit on your butt and do nothing but I think the players that are willing to take that extra piece right now are going to be the ones that are successful even later in life
0: and what what about the um, again going back a little bit to your school days the the process we see right now with a lot of players where once they get recruited to college, they might take their foot off the gas a little bit. And you're saying just then, even at the end of your career, you were fighting and grinding and working to be a better yeah. player. What, um, what did that look like for you when you were trying to get recruited, that process of, of going through it and then the transition into um, college from club?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, you know, um, getting recruited, it's so different now, you know, the the timing of it, how early you're getting recruited. I mean, I wasn't really getting recruited until I was in high school, and I was sophomore, junior year, going on my trips to go see the schools that I wanted to. Um, but, you know, and I was at the top level when I was being recruited, there was a lot of you know, colleges that were going for me. Um, I don't remember having to kind of like send videos to all these different schools, which is what you have to do now because soccer wasn't as big then. Um, I remember my mom even actually telling me like, maybe you want to play club softball because there's not that many scholarships for soccer. And being a single mom, she's like, I can't afford to send you to a four-year college unless you get a full ride. So that was a big concern for me, you know? And so that's where it was very different. Um, but once I did have the schools that I was choosing from, all of them were pretty much West Coast schools except for Notre Dame and Notre Dame was my first visit and I fell in love. Like I fell in love with the, the way the school looked, um, the tradition of the school, the good program they had for soccer, uh, the education I would get and the pretty much the alumni that I would have when I finished. Um, so every school after that, I compared it to Notre Dame. So it became an easy choice at the end. Um, because I was like, well, if I'm comparing every school to this one, that probably means that's the school I'm supposed to go to. And it was the furthest. And I think I was kind of ready to go away knowing I would always come back to California. Well, and now here I am in Portland, but, um, but yeah, I think that was a big process for me. And, and, um, the second step, though, once I did get into Notre Dame, um, I didn't take my foot off the wheel. I think I wanted to go in there and I wanted to prove that I was ready and I wanted to start. So I think if you want to become a starter as a freshman, you can't take your foot off the gas pedal. you know. And I remember they sent a packet out and I did everything in the packet, literally everything in the packet. Even if I had a game that day with my club team, I went out in the morning, did the packet, then went to my game. And I might have been a little tired in the game but I still wanted to make sure like I followed exactly what I was supposed to do. And that's just me. I'm a rule follower as well, but it was important for me to know that I've done everything I can to prepare. And I went in and I started as a freshman.
0: And what did that college experience and I guess that mindset really, how did that set you up to then transition to the pros post-college?
1: I think one it was always there was always a prove yourself you know and I don't think it was to prove to somebody else it was always to prove to myself that I could do it and I could be the best that I could be um I never compared myself to other people it was more just about me and and how I performed um I think whatever I had that led me into college and then even after I think a lot of it was just a determination and a perseverance that I just, I think I always have had. Um, but I know that I would never have made the national team if I didn't have that. Because I didn't make the national team till I was 26 years old, you know. And even after college, like I was like, I still want to play. And the only place to play was Germany. And then it was like, okay, I still want to play there's a league. I, I was not getting picked on the national team, but there was something that still said like, I'm gonna continue to go for this. I'm gonna continue to get better as a player until I get that opportunity. And, you know, I think that even started back in high school, back in those days when I was running those fitness with that packet, um, it was just always in that mentality to, to, to wanna be successful and to persevere through a lot of hard things.
0: Now I've been lucky enough to hear you talk to players in, in the, the youth national teams about um, a, a winning mentality, a grit, a competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Could you just talk and touch on that a little bit? Because I feel like, you, I mean, you mentioned it there. You didn't make the national team until you were 26, which for a lot of female players, they might have already retired and stopped mm-hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. even after having successful college or club careers at that point Mm -hmm. how much was that mindset a a big factor for you and how did you build that I guess as a youth player
1: the competitiveness I mean man I'm still competitive um it's so hard because I'm like I don't want to even lose to my six-year-old um but Mm -hmm. the competitiveness was just there I had an older sister who was four years older than me she's the one that got into sports first then it was competing you know with and against her and I just always loved it. I I loved when games meant something. When we were winning games 8-0, I was kind of like, "Eh, it was the games that were like 0-0, 1-0, the crowd was against you." I just always had that mentality that I wanted to be competitive and you have to be competitive if you're going to continue on and play at a high level. There's just no, I mean, look at the US women's national team. They're the most competitive people you'll ever meet. Um, and I just think it's so important to have that mentality and I, to gain it, it's kind of an internal thing. You just have to, I think you can make it grow. I think you can learn it and I think you can make it better, but it has to be something that says like, I'm not giving up that easy.
0: So that mindset has definitely been a huge factor in the successes that you've had at Mm -hmm. the highest level Can you talk a little bit about those highs with the national team and also the challenges and some of the lows that you've gone through? Because your journey is incredible.
1: Yeah, my journey definitely wasn't very straight. Um, Definitely had a lot of highs, definitely had a lot of lows. And a lot of times those highs came right after a really big low. And that, to me, again, proved just that competitiveness that I have that I wasn't willing to give up and that perseverance. Um, But the thing that I loved about all that is every time I had that low and I had that perseverance and that competitiveness to get out of it, it gave me great results. And I think that's what always continued to push me too. And it made me realize like it's good to fail because if you don't fail and you get out of it, you have no idea how much strength you really do have the next time it happens. And so for me, I mean, I went through four knee surgeries, one hip surgery, um, I got diagnosed with lupus when I was playing at the professional level before I made the national team. Um, and, you know, I just, I had moments where, I mean, I think one of my knee injuries was a MCL, ACL, two surgeries later, I didn't know if I could ever play soccer again. And that was in 2007, in 2006. And so to come back from that um, was a big one. I've been cut the first time I tried out for the national team I got cut didn't make it and you know I think got cut well got traded from one club team professionally to another and that was a really big low for me um I hadn't made the national team yet I thought maybe this is the end of my career do I really love still playing um and really it was one coach liking me and one coach not and you know, that's a hard lesson to learn is that there's so many different styles and different types of coaches who may like you or not. And it's how you can kind of ride the wave a little bit and and continue to be true to yourself. I think in that process, one thing I'm always proud of is that I didn't back away and say, you know, and and start talking bad about the coach or not being there for my teammates. I was still a really good teammate on the bench. I was cheering for them. I was at practice, you know, on the second team, making the first team as the best they could be in practices. Um, and I still tra- stayed true to who I was, which is a good, kind person. And I I didn't really, you know, change that. And then in the end, as soon as that low came, the next year I got as fit as I could be wanting to prove that I am ready for the national team and at the end of that last season I in 2003 got called into the national team and made the team so that came off the lowest I've ever been in my sport
0: did you have that kind of moment of oh it like this feels amazing it's all worth it after winning the world cup or standing on the podium with gold around your neck did, did you have that that actual moment like you see in the? Movie.
1: I had that all four times <laughs> um yeah I mean you know every Olympics is so different and you know the very first one you think that's the only one you're ever going to have and so it was really important for me that one was so cool um you know we were kind of passing the torch from the the veteran players like Mia Hamm and Julie Fowdy and Joy Fawcett and Christine Lilly and all them and so that one was really important because I thought we won it for them but standing on that podium like I never thought of just that moment it was the journey that it took to get there the the sweat the tears I mean that was a really rough training period before the 2004 Olympics um times where we would be in the locker room and we'd all be crying because we knew in 30 minutes we were going out to do another fitness test it was just like oh my gosh um but you know we made it through and I think when you're standing on that podium and you're singing the national anthem you have the gold medal around you you're like wow that was hard as could be but it was so worth it so worth it and you're going to remember that you didn't do it alone that you did it with all the other women that are standing right next to you but you know front to back on that on that podium so that never changed that was the big thing that stayed the same every olympics every world cup um i think the 2015 world cup will always mean a lot to me just because i came back um from having a baby from having another knee surgery um uh, my fourth and not thinking I could really make it, um, but also being like, I have nothing to lose. I've done everything. I, the only thing I don't have is a World Cup championship, and it's, it's damn worth trying to go for it. Um, and so I did, and I definitely had to push for myself. You know, I think I was technically the last one picked. And I remember going to the coach, Jill Ellis, before she picked the team and just proved to her why she should pick me. And I put it on her to make the wrong decision
0: mm-hmm. wow um, what um going back to like those tough moments, like when you're having to really go out and prove yourself, or when you you went through one of your major injuries, or like you said, you got cut or you got traded, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are going to at least if they haven't gone through, they're going to go through major right. injuries playing soccer. Um, they might not have made the team that they wanted to have made or they've mm-hmm. been told from a developmental point of view, you need to go and play on this team for a year or so. Right. What, what, I guess, kind of mental advice would you have for those players of, of where they need to get their mindset at to prepare, to, to use that as an opportunity to succeed? Because you mentioned that failure is part of it and you need to fail yeah. to, to be the best.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know what, don't get me wrong. Did I cry every night that I went home during the time that I got cut or traded? Yeah. Heck yeah, I did. It's so hard. Or even did I have doubts that I could a hundred percent did. And I think that's the number one thing is to realize those emotions are fine and great. And you have to have them. It also means that you care. Um, So I think those are really important to say, okay, it's okay to feel these, but then it's not okay to, to succumb to to those emotions, I guess. And what I mean by that is just don't let those stop you from trying to do what you really want to do. And I think you have to look in and say, okay, what is my ultimate goal? What do I want? And I think that was kind of where I started with all of those things. And I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to hit the next level. I wanted to make the national team. Those are all things that they have been in my mind for a long time. And so mentally you just got to realize it's going to be hard and that you're not the only one that's ever failed in your life. Like, there's so many people that have failed and made it out. And I think that if you have that mentality of like failure, just is a lesson to learn and then you move on from it. And I think that was really important for me is that I, once I did fail that first time, that was the hardest one to get out of because I'd never done it before and I didn't know if I could get out. But once you do it once, Then you know you can do it every single time. And then the great thing about that is you take bigger risks. Once you know you can fail and get back out, you take bigger risks. I think when you haven't failed before, you're a little bit hesitant. So I think mindset is to say, okay, I failed at this. I'm going to learn from that. I'm going to get better. And I'm going to then be successful. And then from then on, I know I can actually take a bigger risk and go for something because it's not – not going to hurt me too much to fail because I know I can get right back out of it.
0: Awesome. That's great advice. Cause a lot of the time people would think I've failed. I'm going to now shy away from trying to do it. You're actually saying the opposite.
1: Yeah. Just go all, You I mean you failed. Like there's nothing past that. Like, so you might as well take the risk and and see what you can do to become great. Awesome. Why not?
0: Um, last couple of questions. Cause I don't want to, keep you from your family for too long. Um, do you have one specific career highlight or feeling that is, will stick with you forever? Or is it more of the whole journey of the whole process?
1: Hmm. A lot of it, I would say is a journey, I think because I had so many ups and downs, um, and it wasn't easy. I think it would be a whole journey, but I'm trying to think of like, I mean, my daughter on the field with confetti, I think that's a big one for me, Um, is one of my major reasons why I wanted to come back, so that, you know, even though she wouldn't remember it, I think she could see pictures, and she could see videos of me, and it was that, you know, your mommy's pretty tough, and I want you to be a tough girl, Um, I want you to be strong, I want you to go for what you believe in, and what you dream of, and um, So to see her kind of playing in there and it's kind of funny because there's been games on lately because there's nothing on TV. Um, They played the 2004 game and they played the 2013 game where Abby got her 100 100 goals. And my kids were actually, what, you were on TV? Like, look at what, you're on TV. And it was like so cool for me to see how excited they were to see me on TV and be like, wow. So I think that one probably will stand out as a big one.
0: Nice. Um, biggest influencer on your career?
1: Oh man. I think I have a couple. I think, um, um, my sister always pushed me four years older. We fought all the time as kids. Um, but I think it was always because I always respected her and wanted to be as good or better than her. Um, I still to this day say she's the better athlete than I ever am. um, and just, you know, now she's a, she's a firefighter. So she's out there doing her thing, captain, you know, again, proving that women can do whatever they want. So I think she was a big influencer that, you know, I can do whatever I want. Like, I can't, you know, let somebody say, oh, you're, because you're a woman or this, you know, it was always, um, Tom Cermani, uh, He was one of my coaches. Uh, he was my coach in my third year of the first league. And he was a coach of the team that traded for me. And that was the definitely mindset that I had to switch into talking about mindset. And, you know, my first mindset when I got traded was this coach doesn't want me anymore. And I quickly switched that to be like, actually, it's Tom Sermani wanted me that bad that he traded for his number one pick. Um, So that was a big one. Um, But he came at the right time. He had the personality that I needed to play really free he wasn't too restrictive as a coach that year and he said as long as you defend I don't mind if you run all the way up and score a goal but you better make sure you get back and so we had a really good uh chemistry and he created me you know as leader on that team even though I wasn't a national team player and so he will always go down as one of my favorite coaches and somebody who came at the right time and I think propelled me onto the national team um and then my husband you know, he came again in 2008. I met him and I thought I was going to be done. I told him, oh, I'm done after the Olympics. I'm not going to play anymore. And he was like, why This is the best job in the whole world? Are you crazy? He's like, oh, just wait till you go into the real world with real jobs. He's like, it sucks. So he kind of gave me that like push to be like, you know what? Yeah, this is kind of fun. Why am I, why would I not do this? And so I think he was a big influencer of allowing me and pushing me to continue to play until 2015.
0: And then last one, what do you have a favorite goal or a favorite game?
1: Oh my gosh, my favorite goal. And I was actually thinking about that when you're like one moment. Um, Gosh, and I can't even remember because I'm terrible at this stuff, but I can't, we were in, okay, so it was an Olympic qualifier way early, like, so it had to be 2004. Yeah, because- like Tip Milbert was still on a team and all that stuff. So it was 2004. Don't remember where it was. Uh, Costa Rica. That's where it was. So it was in Costa Rica. Don't remember who we were playing, but I got a hat trick. My only one of my entire career. And my second goal came off of like a full volley corner of the 18 from a throw in. And I mean, I, I hit it and I was like, we'll never do that again, <laughs> but it was awesome. So that's one memory I will always remember is my only hat trick. That I ever had and coming from a defensive center midfielder felt pretty good
0: there, there you go. they can they can score the world is as well
1: exactly
0: um but Shannon this was amazing I was going to ask what your advice was for younger players but I think the whole um conversation has been about that there's been some amazing bits of advice and some of the stuff he said was incredible so there's going to be a lot of young female soccer players that are going to be able to listen over and over to this so thank you so so much
1: no problem and I think you know just even to give one more thing of, of advice is just you know try to be yourself and never give up on yourself and I think if you do that and you really truly love the sport you're gonna go really far and you know Um, the only other thing I do for the older players that are looking to colleges is the advice my sister gave me was make sure you go to a school that you would truly love to be at, even if you could never play soccer again. And I say that because coaches change, um, programs change and injuries happen that you want to really enjoy the four years that you're going to spend at a school. not just because of the soccer. So be a well balanced person. You got to pick a school that's going to help balance you out.
0: Great stuff. Uh, again, really appreciate your time. I know it's valuable and your kids are probably banging the door down right now. They're right.
1: sleeping. We got oh. them on nap still.
0: <laughs> Good tactics, that.
1: Yeah, exactly. At six, she still has to take a rest. I'm like, you got to lay down.
0: If you enjoyed the episode, please go to Apple Podcasts. And search Inside Surf Soccer Podcast, subscribe, rate and review. We'll be giving shout-outs to our best reviews in future episodes with a chance of winning a Nike gift card for the best one. If you want more Inside Surf Soccer Podcast and have recommendations or ideas for future guests and episode content, please feel free to contact us via email lhunt at surfsoccer.com or you can get me at Twitter at hunt 17 Go surf.